real estate podcast. Now, our next upcoming guest, you're probably going to think once you hear him start talking that I invited him just for his awesome accent. However, I do want to get a bit of an idea as to what's going on globally. So before we get started, I want to invite any new real estate agents out there or agents who are struggling and you're trying to figure out how to make this business work. First of all, I want to tell you, you can do it. You can do it. If you're struggling or you're just starting out, all the opportunities and possibilities are there. You can join me at 500-doors.com and I'm happy to share some insight of how I built a six and seven figure income of just being an amazing community leader. So let's dive in today. Super excited here. Uh, I have this incredible man that is going to join and share all of his insight on development in England. This is going to be so cool. Alfred Jade comes from a background of this aerospace engineering and project management at Jaguar Land Rover. I'm thinking there's like a lot of mechanical. He must like to build stuff. He is leveraging his management and solution oriented skills as a property investor and developer based in the West Midlands of England. He established Real Property Ventures in 2018 with the ambition to provide great accommodations at affordable prices. Real Property Ventures has been investing in the UK property market for the last two and some years and have been involved in multiple projects ranging in complexity. Get this. And we're taking it, folks. Take it to account. We're dealing with COVID and all this other stuff. He even won the New Property Investor of the Year Award in 2021, awarded by the Property Investors Awards Association. Now, he is working with known in industry mentors, coaches, and training programs. Alfred has the insight and knowledge of property investment and development strategies. And because of that, he is currently a finalist for this year's Great British Entrepreneur Awards for the category of Young Entrepreneur of the Year 2022 in the West Midlands region. This is pretty cool, folks, because you know what? When people step up to the plate, a lot can happen. Welcome to the show, Alfred. How are you doing? I am good, Kim. I'm good, Kim. Thanks for the intro as well. Thank you. Absolutely. I, you know, I love the whole aerospace, as I mentioned before the show. Um, being from Kansas, I have been around a lot of plane. Like uh, the funniest thing is, is one of my mom's friends is uh, virtually blind, legally blind, and he actually designs cogs for one of the for a Boeing airplane. Don't even oh, go wow. there. He's got this big map. He's an engineer, and he lost his sight over years, but not his talent. So anything's possible, folks, if you want to do it, right, Alfred? 
100% agree with that. Okay. So share with me a little bit. Give me a rundown because we got the high, high view of who you are. So give me a rundown as to who you are. Yeah, so I am a property investor um, slash business owner as well. So at the moment, what I'm known for is in the property industry is someone who's who's come out of the corporate world um, not long ago and has gone on to build a portfolio in the UK. And this consists of mainly something, something we call HMOs. So it's, it's, it's basically shared living. So it would be a building where we convert into multiple units. This could be six to eight units per building. And then we rent that out to either students or young professionals. Um, and we've, yeah, we've had great success doing that. And the way I've been able to scale so rapidly as well is by using my network. So I've built a great social media following, um, documenting my journey, the good and bad, showing the project updates. And that's attracted investors who wanted to work with me on a loan base, um, so debt-based um, financing. And that's allowed me to be able to raise capital and do more deals and turn them around and pay my investors back. Uh, so it's working really well. And then more recently as well, kind of got into acquisition of businesses as well. So that's something I'm, I'm, I'm venturing into. So a lot, a lot is going on. A lot has kind of happened in the last two, three, two and a half years. And this all kind of, I guess, accelerated due to me losing my job um, due to COVID. Because I was a project manager working on future projects. And the company took the direction of, well, we don't know what's happening with this whole COVID situation. So we're going to have to terminate contracts onto further notice. And literally, I, I took the decisions of, do I go back the trying to find another job and such a hard time or focus on something that I prior to that, I guess, invested into, start to learn, get educated in, in that space. And I was confident enough that like, look, I've got the information. I've, I'm already in a project that I'm doing and delivering on. Let's just go in 100% with this and, and make it work. And for me, it's, it's worked out all fine. It's, I'll come out the other end and it's all great. And, and now I'm just looking to scale and do bigger things and do bigger projects and get into bigger things as well. Okay, before we go into the nitty gritty on some of the projects you're actually doing, I want to jump back to a couple things you said real quick. Network to net worth, right? You talked about your network, leaning into your network to to fund up um, and leaning in full time in something that you weren't sure of because the world was unsure, right? Um, a lot of real estate agents or agents, um, they're, 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 they're floundering, right? So in North America, 87% of agents will actually fail in within 36 months. They will be out of the business. Um, and a lot of that's because they're not leaning into their network, right? And they're not leaning in full time into developing up their skill set. What's some of the things that you took to your network and you said, hey, by the way, I'm not over here and I know we're in the midst of a pandemic, but by the way, I think I got something. What's some of that, that dialogue that you had with that network? So I, I was, I literally just, I kept it simple. I, I didn't complicate things. I just literally documented what I was up to. So obviously with a lot of eyeballs during that time when COVID happened, I just started to do a lot of Instagram lives. So I was very active on Instagram, YouTube, any, any platform I can get my hands on where I can kind of set a time and get people to come on, ask questions. Because again, I was sharing a lot of value. So again, I was showing my expertise in terms of what I know. And people were coming on there kind of wanting to get into property or learn a property investment, how to raise finance. Because I've been, I've, I've raised up to date, I think of 1.8 million so far. And this has come through like work colleagues, social media, 
So I've heavily leveraged um, my, my, my social media following to kind of attract them to kind of one, get to know me, get to like me and, and over time get to trust me as well. I know that I'm, I'm a safe pair of hands. So for me, anybody listening, like social media, if you haven't tapped into it, you want to literally explore that because the way I see it is you can get a wider audience as opposed to trying to do things one-to-one. Um, like I know some agents that have sold houses through whether it's TikTok, whether it's through Instagram, creating a great video, marketing a home that someone wants to buy. And off the back of the, the video they've seen, they're like, yeah, I want to I buy this property. So social media is definitely an untapped resource, I think. You talk, You just mentioned one of my favorite, favorite phrases of all time. No light. Trust. Bob Berg. Bob Berg wrote the book, uh, The uh, Go-Giver. And uh, he talks about the no light trust principle of gaining people's. Uh, how do you do that through social media? Frequency. Being consistent. Appearing up all the time. And and as well, transparency. So frequency, transparency are the two. And if someone invested in told me this. The reason why we invest in reviews because we like a transparency. You're, you show the hard time, you show the good times. You're not just just showing because again on social media you can just kind of glorify the, the 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 great stuff. But when you're going through like hard times or a project isn't going to plan, it's being delayed, cost of material going up, um, whatever it is, just documenting that and also showing that you can overcome the problems. And I think that's probably the, the more the selling point. So staying a problem is one thing, but actually showing that you can over, overcome the problem, again. Through consistency, me documenting and stuff, people over time build build trust in the brand and it or my personal brand, I guess. Um, so yeah. Okay, you just talked about you just mentioned um, the cost of product going up. Let's tackle that. Let's go into your what what you do. So you're building this. A, we're dealing with COVID, right? Getting people to work. That's it. Seems to be a real challenge now globally go back to work um and the fact that we are going through inflation that we haven't seen since the early 80s right um how do you navigate how do you develop something how do you go to your investors and say i need x amount of dollars and then go back and realize that in the time between the time you started that project to, to the time that you're about ready to put the the doors on um that project has escalated in cost um you can't get the stuff talk to me about the actual um day-to-day of what you're doing and how you're navigating that yeah so obviously inflation is is a big thing anyone in the development world property development world or as full aware like cost of materials shooting up like crazy um i guess there's a number of things I've, i've tried to mitigate as best as possible like, so for example, obviously we, we do high-end accommodation for young professionals or students. So we don't want to compromise on our interior design and kind of going up a bit above board in terms of what we're putting out as a final product. So we're, we're, in a way we're, we're absorbing the cost and kind of one, looking for a higher valuation on the back end. So prior to us even starting the works, what normally happens is we get a surveyor who comes out who says what property is worth today, how much we think we're going to spend versus as well what it's going to be worth in the back end so the value comes out we try and get the same person to come back out on the back end of the deal so they obviously know what's going on in the market they understand that rent so i think what's helped type of deals i do i value the the the, the property based on a commercial basis which is basically due to its rent what's the rent it achieves and generally speaking rents have gone up since even even COVID times so the end valuation of the of the buildings have kind of 
stacked up still. So we haven't got to a position where we've, we've committed to doing a deal and the numbers haven't moved from where we thought when we started the works. So generally speaking, it's, it's kind of, it obviously hasn't, it hasn't compensated fully, but it's, 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 it's better than what we anticipated when we first, first started. So it hasn't, I haven't got any horror stories where I've said like, oh, build costs have gone skyrocketed and, and the end valuation is not making sense anymore and potentially the deal doesn't work anymore. So in my case, I, I've been fortunate. I haven't had any of those horror stories. It's, it's worked out great um, because of the back end, we've had the higher rents being achieved and there's still demand like never. Like this is probably the more demand um, for, for rentals than ever. So it's working out okay, I would say. And with that, okay, so with housing costs going up, and I know that England in general, when we look at London, we know London ranks, you know, Toronto's expensive and, and New York is expensive and London is expensive. And, you know, when we Sydney's expensive. We look at major markets, but when we pull out of those markets in, you know, looking at, basically second secondary markets what is the kind of the the price range that your your product that you build uh comes in at yeah so rents varies um so so basically what we build out is we either build out studio rooms so within some flats studio rooms or like they're like called double and suite rooms so like it's a unless you I guess your audience are mostly US, but it's basically a house share. So we have a large communal area where okay. you've got a kitchen and, and, a, and, a, and a, what's called a lounge area as well. Then there'll be eight, six to eight rooms within the property, which all share that facility and also got some amenities in their rooms as well. So the studios obviously have some sort of kitchenette facility within that room as well. And that can range, I'm in the Midlands, so we're not as pricey as um, London. London, London, everything's about like a thousand plus. Um, in rental, depending where you are from the sea, it could be two, three thousand, four thousand pounds even in rental. But I'm I'm more like the mid range, so it's around six six hundred to about eight hundred um, pounds in rental um, per door. If you want to call it that, um, per that's, door, that's kind of yeah, the, yeah. That's that's the general rate you'd get in rental at the moment. Yeah, that sounds about in line with where Canada's at in most of our major cities also in any kind of shared facilities. Uh, you had mentioned, you know, affordable uh, housing. I, I want to go down the, the rabbit hole a bit. So on, and this is going to be totally off mark. So I will not, nobody is allowed to hold poor Alfred to the, to the feet to the fire on this, but I'm just, I kind of want, I love to explore this question with a lot of people in the industry. Um, Coming out of COVID, it's estimated that nearly 30% of people will not return to traditional workspace. That means we're going to have leftover office space sitting empty. What do you think are some opportunities as a developer that we could go in and leverage those, those leftover? How difficult is it to take a commercial space and turn it into a residential space? Uh, zoning aside, we're not looking at zoning, but we're just talking about logistics. Yeah, so in the UK, the government has actually made it more possible for us to, as developers, to go and take office and convert them into residential units. So in, in, in the UK, we have permitted development rights to find a building which is office use and which, so you kind of have a prior approval to convert. You have to still submit an application to the council to get them to approve it, but you, you, there's actually more incentives. So the government has made it, because they know, like you said, based on what's happening in offices, they've made it more accessible to developers to be able to go out and request to convert a office 
to a residential unit. I'm actually doing a project where we're converting an office to um, four flats, so two two bedroom flats and two uh, one bedroom flats. Um, that's actually my next project. So that's and how yeah, difficult so, is that when we're looking at bathrooms and kitchens and laundry facilities? How difficult is that to reutilize a space that never had that and wasn't developed that in its in its intended use? Yeah, everyone that does flat conversions from offices. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's a problem. Obviously, in terms of the infrastructure doesn't exist already, so you're pretty much having to bring everything in. Even you might have to contact your um, utilities in terms of like electrics. So if you're splitting the meters across the multiple units, you might have to call the main contractor to come out. That could take time as well because they're trying to manage their workload. That everyone complains about that being a problem. You could be waiting three months, whatever, a few months just to get someone on site to allow you access to be able to start doing electrics in terms of the, each individual unit. So those things are, are a problem. Um, but I think it's, it's people that are going into the space obviously are aware of this and should be kind of planning ahead of installing these things in. So you, you want to make in contact with the suppliers as soon as possible to start giving you access to allow you to do your job and not delay things. So if you if you kind of wait to the time when you need to do it and you request it, then you've got like a three to four month lag of them coming out, which can impact the project, obviously. So I think everyone's aware, like you need to be planning these things ahead of time. Um, but it is a nuisance, but it's, it's normal, I guess, in my world anyways. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that we're going to see this in a lot of major cities. I know Calgary, so Calgary where I'm at, has been in a, was has been in a recession since 2015. In fact, in 2017, we had a very, very underperforming real estate market. And because of that, we have we have millions, millions. We actually have like a 30-story building downtown that's almost like 90% vacant just oh, sitting wow. there, right? And it's costing what people don't realize is that when you have vacancies in your in your core area or your office area, that money comes back and we have to, as residents within the surrounding area, we're offsetting the costs of those taxes that are not being collected and all these other things. So getting those those properties repurposed and utilized where they're needed is important, especially when you're looking for affordable housing options. How affordable is it to convert an office building into an apartment? Obviously, with the current costs showing up, it's obviously so. Be, let's say I, I would I would say since COVID, it'd probably be a, a twenty. Well, depending on material, but I, I think average wise, you're still looking at a fifteen to twenty percent increase in material costs easily, if not even more, depending again on how high end you go in. How more high end you go in, I would say even upwards of thirty percent increase on that material cost. So, yeah, the cost of converting these buildings, and again, depending on what type of building it is. The more infrastructure change that's required, the more cost you're going to have to do spend to convert it into a residential home. Um, but generally speaking, it, everyone is seeing cost increases, but we're also seeing on a back end of the valuation of the buildings, it kind of matching up. So it's kind of still worth the spend uh, at the moment anyways. But there's obviously talks about potentially a dip or flattening of the curve of or house prices. So if you're banking so if developers the risk is obviously for developing a property and that dip happens whilst you're developing then obviously you, you exit them you exit those deals at whatever market that is and obviously you still spend extra money on, on the material so that's the worry 
So as soon as everyone's trying to get in and out of projects as soon as possible um, to not have to see that impact. With yeah, it's 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 crucial when the uh, markets, when the product, when the production markets are so fluid in their pricing, when things are going up and down as quickly as they are, to get a project done as quickly as possible. Um, with that being said, where is England sitting? So in the United States, they're estimated four million homes short. They're in there. They're they do not have the short supply of 4 million properties for affordable housing. Where is England sitting with that? I think we're, what like, are you guys short? we're, we're like 350,000. So obviously. Yeah. In, yeah. Well, US is like US. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you, you, I think you guys have like 400 million. <laughs> we are 40 million. Of, so we're 10% of you guys pretty yeah. much. So in terms of size, so we, we, we're, we're, I think last stats was three to eight, 328,000 uh, homes short. But it's, it's like it's increasing demand every single year. We're needing more and more homes. Um, so yeah, and that's just, kind of sorted at the moment. And what is your theory around where all these people came from during COVID? Because it is, I have my own theories, but it is, everybody keeps asking, how are we short? Now, in the United States, those who have been in real estate for a long time know that this is something that's been very quietly discussed in the industry for a long time, saying we don't have enough to meet demand. And it will be a, a big issue in that issue. And I don't know if it was COVID that created that. But when you're you're looking in England, what are some of the contributing factors you think to that short supply and high demand? It, it depends where you look. Some areas obviously have more sorted issues. So like London, obviously, there's nowhere to build pretty much. Everywhere is occupied. Um, as you come out, there's more green areas. So the, the government, are they're aware of the issue and obviously... A lot of frustration from developers as well. You're not giving us permission as well to allow us to build on the site on the land that's available as well. So it, it's kind of a catch-22 situation. But I, I also do think that when the houses are getting so and so expensive, people can't actually even afford to buy these these homes. Um, so that that's 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 one one element as well. So like, it's even if we did build these houses, who who is buying them first of all? Um, that's why, for me, I strongly believe in the rental market. I, I'm not, I'm not one to buy houses and sell or buy a house, develop and sell it on. I, I'm, I'm one that retains. I'm, I'm in the rental market pretty much. I believe that the rental market is going to grow and grow and grow because build costs, the cost of, of a house, the cost of yeah. building it versus what it needs to be worth for it to still stack for the developer, and and then sell it on to someone at the end user, it's not stacking up. The average salary in London is like 30, 30 grand. And to buy an average house, it's let's say five hundred grand minimum is what an average house in London costs. To be able to earn enough to be able to um, buy such a house, you're looking at hundred grand salary. Nobody, nobody, hardly anybody earns hundred grand in London. So how can you afford a five hundred grand property? And that's like a cheap end. Yeah, it's upwards of there. Do you know what I mean? So it's affordability. There's there's so many factors um, to it. So it's a problem, but at the same time. This this the stop the stuff that's stopping it stopping us being able to fix the problem. If that makes sense. Now there's other opportunities though of investing in real estate, and one of them is to invest in a company who's developing real estate. So that's I mean, real estate, this is I don't think the world is cut and dry where everybody works one job and you retire at 60 and you know, these the world is no longer 
black and white in the sense of you do this, you do that, you get this, you get that, right? It's it's now how is it fluid and what are the options and opportunities? And I talk a lot around REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts, right? Or the you know opportunities to invest in new developments. Um, if somebody wanted to have an opportunity for that return in real estate, but not necessarily own their own individual home, what are some of the ways that they can invest in uh, the market there in the development of real estate? Yeah, so there's, there's several different structures. At the moment, what I've done, I've done like on a, on a debt base. So, so investors would invest money solely just to get a return on their money. Like I said, they don't want to have the headache of owning a property, dealing with tenants. They just trust that, okay, Alfred knows what he's doing. He's developing projects and he needs X amount of capital. We have to borrow him this capital and, and, I, and what's in it for us is we get a six to ten percent return per annum on our money and it's like whether it's paid monthly paid at the end uh there's other structures as well whereby joint venture partnerships whereby the investor brings all the capital in into the deal the developer goes away and develops the deal and if you're going to retain it or sell it profits are split 50 50 for example or however best you want to negotiate the deal from that from that point of view to, with the investor so it's all in and then the final one i think is obviously probably more common in the, in the multi-family so i've actually been to america quite a few times and quite interested in the multi-family sector so a lot of people creating funds where investors can put the uh, put money into this fund the fund goes away and acquires a 100 unit building 200 unit building or estate and they have an equity piece and obviously the promises over that time of the fund five to ten years you we might two x three extra money in that time frame and obviously while you wait as well you're getting a return it's usually a low return but the bigger players we we 2x we 3x the money over the fund cycle so that's that's an interesting model as well absolutely so there's there's more than one way to be engaged in the uh real estate investment space um you don't have to be a uh, homeowner on the front end you can actually invest in not only residential property but in commercial property or i mean there's so many there's now it's like uh here in in calgary they're saying that it's like every apartment renter has a storage locker now that's real estate. So there's so many options and opportunities out there for sure. Um, what is the, uh, why, why real estate in general versus, you know, uh, you went to school, you've got this really cool degree in engineering and aerospace. What is it? Why does real estate appeal to you? I actually always say, look, real estate is probably the most marketed thing outside of corporate world. So everyone gravitates towards real estate because that's the first thing they know out coming outside the corporate world. So even the reason why I kind of explored that when I was working, because I always had the ambition to kind of own properties and kind of had it as like a retirement vehicle. The only thing of it as a business, I just thought I'd work maybe every, every year, buy a house. And then by the time I finish, I've got a few houses I'm bringing in money monthly. And actually what made me kind of narrow down and, and go into a bit more was I wanted to earn, I basically got to a point where I wanted to earn six figures plus like the 200, 300 grand a year. And so upon searching my career and what's, what it meant to actually earn that kind of money, there was too many years required in terms of experience. I had to have gone to different companies, moved around a bit to become a senior project manager, to start commanding. And even you're going to struggle to see 200 grand, 300 grand in those roles in, in, in that engineering space for sure. So that's what drove me to look outside of, of the corporate world and say, look, what can I do 
to, to learn about real estate now and start building a portfolio now, which brings me income and will supersede that, that earning potential basically. So that that's what drove me in. And obviously as well, going into researching what's, what wealth people have in terms of how they build their wealth, real estate is pretty much part of everybody's portfolio. <laughs> yeah, real real estate's one of the uh, top searched globally top searched uh, uh, topics out there for sure. Um, what does community community mean to you? So you're you are in the industry of creating community, but what does community mean to you? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I've been mean, thinking about like yeah, what does community mean to me? I think community means it can mean a lot of things. Um, I guess for me, it's an ecosystem uh, is, is something whereby people can kind of support each other. I think a community is something that I, if I was part of a community, I'd want to have that kind of support network around me where we can kind of learn off each other um, create create opportunities together. I think it's, it's, it's for me, to put it simple, community is something that allows for growth opportunity is the way I see it. I, I, I would, I, for me, a community needs to be something that we all come together and do things together. Uh, grow together, help one another out. That's what I would kind of put against the word community. Amazing. And you're building community. That's that's what you're in. You're, we all look at real estate, but real estate is actually the physical embodiment of yes. different communities. So it's it's a real it's a it's a real um, blessing and you know honor to be able to be in real estate. That's for sure. What's a book that you've read that you really thought was kind of an aha book in and around real estate, community, property development, anything along those lines? Yeah, I think there's, there's, there's several. So I'm trying to think when I first, first, what was the first ever book? First ever book, because it wasn't real estate, but obviously there's a, there's a Richard Poor Dad thing that obviously yeah, everyone's, that's kind of the go-to book when you're starting out and kind of branching out of the corporate world looking for something else. Um, so I guess that's something, but I think more specific, obviously I'm based in the UK. So there was a book that I read uh, a while back, which was Mortal Streams of Property Income by Kevin MacDonald and Rob Moore. And that okay. was just like an insight into the different strategies you can do in the real estate market. So obviously that was me like first, first coming across real estate, what, what, what investment opportunities, what investment strategies are there in real estate. And that book kind of mapped it out for me in terms of what the strategies are. So for me, that's a book. I was anybody wanting to kind of start or get an idea of what's possible in real estate. That's a book you want to read. Excellent. And we'll have that just so you know, folks, we'll have that in our comments uh, on this uh, podcast. When we post, we're going to have all this information so you can go and check out that book yourself. Um, you know, cause it's all about, like you said uh, in the, in your bio, uh, Alfred, we, it's about leaning into mentorship and constantly learning and leveling up. And this is, this is the beauty of the age of knowledge folks is that we all have opportunities to be that just that little bit better, that little bit better. Um, where can they find you, Alfred? If somebody wanted to tap in or follow you on your, your Instagram or TikTok, where can they find you? literally type my name alfred jade i know jade's doesn't sound like it's spelled the way it's spelled but it's d-z-a-d-e-y um just any of any platform youtube linkedin facebook whatever you, you find me just my name even typing in google will come up with Ooh, in all google. my socials 
Yeah, Google me. (laughs) (laughs) You know that you're doing something. You're making waves. Uh, Things that we've talked about today, guys, is, you know, network to your net worth. Get out there, talk to people. Lean into your mentorship groups. Um, You know, get that extra, read that extra book. Find solutions to the challenges that are facing your community. Um, And, you know, reach out and ask people for their insight, their information. That's what we're here for on the 500 Doors is to gather all these stories of people who are solution-oriented and are making uh, shelter one of their priorities, you know, maybe food, shelter, education, and medication. Got to tackle something. And uh, I am glad that you're tackling uh, Alfred, I'm glad that you're tackling the shelter situation and finding cost-effective ways for people to live, and because um, that's so critical. There's there's nothing worse than feeling like you don't have a place to go. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, when do you do your Insta lives, your Q and As? When can we so find you? I, on you that? know what? I've, I've I've done it on a random basis. So, because I like to kind of. I always felt like the random ones are the best ones when it's not planned, just one evening. Normally they're in the evenings, to put it simple. They're usually in the evenings, anywhere between 6 and 8 p.m. on my Instagram, but they're just, they're just random. So, and it's great um, engagement. People come on there, ask questions, we, we interact. I bring someone onto the live, ask them a question on there. They ask me a question on there. So it's, it's, it's good fun. Okay, so if you're out there and you are thinking, I want to do my own project. I want to convert an empty office space. I want to maybe uh, build something that, my kids and everybody can be part of um you know what go find alfred on instagram because that 6 to 8 p.m in england is lunchtime here and i can't think of a better way to feed yourself than with great information from alfred um it sounds like this guy's got it dialed in and he's creative you are so creative, Alfred, when that's what we need is more creativity around our shelter situation as the world continues. <laughs> the world's crazy. Come on, let's face it, folks. You probably got just the, the people coming to my show are the sanity within the crazy. So, um, <laughs> Alfred, close us out with a quote, something that has meant something to you over your lifetime and has helped you uh, even when the times are tough. Yeah, so I, this is actually something I do when I present. I, I do these talks and stuff sometimes. Um, and I always start with the slides. So it's a quote by a guy named Ryan Blair. And it's it goes by, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. Um, for me, that's powerful because if we look at any area of your life where you've done something, generally speaking, when you do do your commit, it's because it's important to you. So you've done it. And if it wasn't, you just come up with an excuse why you couldn't do it. So I I, I literally live by that. That is awesome. That is a great quote. And a lot of us find excuses. A lot of us run around and go, why me? Why me? Folks, today, I want you to put the word not in there. Why not me? Why not me? Don't make excuses. Make things happen. Alfred, any closing words? How do you feel? All good? No, I feel great. I feel I feel great. I think any everyone out there who's obviously thinking to get into real estate, I think the main thing is get educated. That's what I did. I didn't I didn't go in blind. You think I could figure out myself? There's also a lot of resource online and stuff. But what accelerates it is being part of a community you can learn from, um, having mentors around you, having people that are actually doing or actively doing the things that you want to do, and surrounding yourself with them. So 
for me, yeah, get, get yourself in the, in the right rooms and the rest will, will figure itself out pretty much. The rest can happen, folks. It will happen again. You know what, Alfred? Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, everybody out there, be sure to check out the 500 Doors Facebook group. We have a free Facebook group. That's where this episode each Thursday live streams. Um, and, you know, we can have some discussion afterwards. If you want to pop in any questions, we'll have discussions there. So do go check out our Facebook group there and join our community on Facebook for the 500 Doors, where we really talk about uh, socially responsible real estate, the development, the procurement, the investment. You know, it could be the designing of it, but really it's about taking a socially responsible uh, step in there and ensuring that people are they have the ability for food, shelter, medication, education. We're talking about shelter. Okay. So until next time, folks, I'm Kim Hayden, your host here at 500 Doors. And I am just grateful that you spent a little bit of your time with us today.